Hey there, friends of Holy Shenanigans Podcast. I'm thrilled to share that I'll be recording live from the Wild Goose Festival this July 11 through 14. Wild Goose Festival is a transformational community grounded in faith-inspired social justice. It's a one-of-a-kind gathering that brings together activists, artists, and seekers from all walks of life to explore justice and art, spirituality, and community. The festival will take place at Van Hoy Farms in Union Grove, North Carolina, and I'd love for you to join me there. From engaging workshops to inspired panels and interactive experiences, Wild Goose has something for everyone. So mark your calendars and let's be part of this incredible community that is committed to making a positive impact in the world. For more information, visit www. WildGooseFestival.org. As one of my followers, use a discount code A-TLE24. That's A-TLE24. And you'll get $50 off the price of an adult weekend ticket. We will see you there at the Wild Goose Festival to connect, to build community, and to work for social justice. Welcome to Holy Shenanigans. I'm your muse, Tara Lamont Eastman, a creative, a feminist, and a pastor. In this week's Bible story, we hear how hope is a buoy to lift us out of fear, as well as a life-saving story of swimming lessons and lifeguards. Have you ever watched a young child learn how to swim? This task requires a number of safety precautions and some detailed planning. First, it's necessary that someone who knows how to swim be in the pool. Second, the child learning how to swim needs to have the support and help of their parent or a caring adult in this process. And third, the child learning to swim needs to enter the water with the right kind of equipment. Several years ago, my nephew took some classes to learn how to swim because grandma had a small pool in her backyard. At first, he was literally enveloped in swimming gear to assist him in this task. A full-body swimsuit had floating devices inside, water wings, goggles, and a kickboard. He looked a bit like a deep-sea diver in this little four-foot pool. But day by day, he would start to shed part of this gear as his confidence in swimming grew. In that short summer, I was amazed to see his strides as he learned how to swim. Throughout the whole process, he had hope that he would learn how to swim. Water wings, kickboards, and full-body swimsuits fit with flotation devices are great metaphors for hope. Just as they're literal tools that help us to learn how to swim, they can also be a metaphor for this idea of hope, of how not to be weighed down, to stay buoyant, to keep our flailing learning to swim selves above the waterline, splashing, sputtering, and breathing. In this week's Bible text, Jesus gives his anxious students some important advice in times of stress. To be on guard, to be alert, to keep in an attitude of prayer. Jesus calls his students to not be weighed down 
by a burden of fear or worry. Do not be weighed down. Those words of Jesus resonate with me. What response do they bring from you? If we fill in the blank of this sentence, do not be weighed down by, how would you finish it? Why don't we think about that for a moment? As I tell you another story of learning how to swim. My first experience in learning how to swim was at the local Y in a learn to swim class that my mom had signed me and my sister up for. The goal of this class was simple, to teach us how to stay afloat in an emergency and dog paddle till help could come. The stay afloat and dog paddle lesson in this Y class led me to feel more confident in wading and kicking with swim boards till eventually I was adept at the game of holding my breath and plunking myself crisscross applesauce underneath the water that was a practical skill in learning how to hold your breath, but was a game that was called Tea Party. Me and my friends would hold our breath for 60 seconds and then we would emerge from the shallow depths of the water feeling courageous. Those first basic lessons in swimming gave me hope that someday I'd be able to cross the floating partitions in the giant pool at the Y to the region of the deep end, diving boards, and making cannonballs into the watery depths. This was my hope that someday I would be able to be in the deep end of the pool. Around the age of six, I started going to church camp in the summer. And this is where I would tentatively stick my toes into the hope of deep end swimming for real. When the kids arrived at camp, they would have to take a swim test to gauge their swimming skills. For the first year or so, I was happy to be on the shallow end of the pool with a banana yellow water slide with schools of kids splashing all around me. One summer day, while splashing in the shallow end, I took a trip down the slide and I launched myself under the water. I tried to reach the surface, but I got tangled up in a mess of kids with floaties and kickboards. I counted the seconds of my struggle under the water and I started to panic. Could I reach the surface? I hope I can reach the surface. All at once, the lifeguard scooped me up and brought me above water and set me like a sack of potatoes to recover on the side of the pool. I sputtered and cried out, I'm never going swimming again. The lifeguard looked calmly at me, gave me a towel, and told me to sit by the side of the pool until the large group of kids were done with their swim session. At the end of the class, the lifeguard and the other counselor sat down next to me on the edge of the pool and said, you are going to have to get back into the pool. I know that you're afraid, but the group isn't here to get all tangled up. You can do this if you don't panic. If you simply have stood up in the shallow end earlier, you would have been above the water but the panic made you forget you had all you needed to get out of trouble. The lifeguard went on to say, I actually think you're ready to learn how to swim the deep end. Can I help you learn how to get there? I looked at the now calm water, no longer teeming with kids and realized it was not as big and terrible as it had looked just moments ago. I remembered that I could doggy paddle that I could and did 
hold my breath in a way that helped me overcome that tangle in the shallow end. That yes, I could stand up and simply be above water, breathing, unburdened, empowered. Then the lifeguard said something that has stuck with me all of my life when it comes to deep waters and heavy burdens. The water can either be your worst enemy or your best friend. Water must be respected, but it can be a friend. It's your choice on what the water will be for you. I have to choose what the water is. I have to choose to stand up in the shallow end. I have to choose to act, to take action for hope that will keep me afloat. The lifeguard was right. The hope I had for deep end swimming needed me to take action, to take a deep breath, to remember the tools I'd already gathered and choose that I did not want water to be my enemy. I needed it to be my friend. So with the help of the summer camp staff that I now call Big Ben and company, who were probably no older than 20 years of age, but had Yoda-like advice for the young Padawan that was me, patiently, gently helped me to choose to go back into the pool, to go down that banana yellow slide, to practice holding my breath underwater, counting to 60 seconds as I played tea party crisscross applesauce underwater, remembering that I could dog paddle, and I did the width and length of that shallow end over and over again. And at the end of the week, Big Ben finally asked if I wanted to try out my hope of deep end swimming. Was it graceful, this first attempt at deep end swimming? No. Did I start to panic when my feet no longer could touch the bottom of the pool? Yes. Did Big Ben call out a reminder? The water, is it your enemy or your friend from the side of the pool? Yes. Did I keep on swimming? Yes. Slowly and anxiously, I sputtered in that deep end of the pool, and I dog paddled across the pool to the ladder at the end of the deep end of that pool. Hope floated. Water became my friend instead of a foe. Big Ben and company accompanied and empowered me to use the tools I had and help me to use them so I really and truly could learn how to swim, shallow end, deep end, and all. We need hope to carry us in the deep waters we find ourselves in. I needed a lifeguard or two as a child to help me to learn how to swim, to live past my fears and take action for hope. And you might need a lifeguard or a helper too. Fred Rogers once said, all of us at some time or other need help. Whether we're giving or receiving help, each one of us has something valuable to bring to this world. That's one of the things that connects us as neighbors. In our own way, each one of us is a giver and a receiver. In this first week of Advent, we focus on hope and how hope activated can buoy us in the rough waters of life. I believe that God shows up in the space of hope in people who are willing to activate hope 
with us and for us until we can manage to hope for ourselves. We need more hope activators like Big Ben, the lifeguard, don't we? I doubt that Big Ben thought his actions were anything other than his job as a lifeguard. However, for me, his actions literally lifted me out of troubled waters and then helped me to learn how to navigate more than the deep end of the pool on that day. Big Ben's words and actions helped me navigate many deep waters ever since. Remember the words of Jesus in this week's Bible lesson about hope? Do not be weighed down. Think about that again. What response do these words bring from you? Do not be weighed down. If you are to fill in the blank of this sentence, do not be weighed down by. How would you finish it? Who might be able to come alongside you in the troubled waters of life? Or if you're already floating with hope, who can you come alongside to help grasp hope and take hold of it for themselves? We need support from many kinds of lifeguards when we are in the deep and shallow ends of the pool. We need people that love and lift us up nearby when the troubled waters cause us to sputter and struggle. Hope floaters, lifeguards, and Jesus call us to let go of what weighs us down. They remind us of how important it is for hope to be active, to move us, to bring us to to bring us along, through, and beyond the fears that hold us captive. The pool of life is deep, but God and their lifeguards, with lessons of kickboards and water wings, with a reminder that water must be respected, and it can be our friend. This is the active work of hope floating. Hope activated. This is how together we make it to the other side of the pool and back. In the spirit of Big Ben the Lifeguard, I share my poem Hope with you for this first week of Advent to encourage you to buoy your hopes, to release you from your fears. Hope seems as light as a feather, but sparks all good deep things that are yet to come. Hope is a glimmer of light in the darkest night. Even in the midst of chaos, hope is new growth of a fig leaf or a bud on a cactus plant, growing slowly to remind us that Jesus is nearby. As the solstice draws near, days grow darker and colder, and a single candle of hope is lit a single candle to wake us up to the promise given, a single candle to stoke the cooling embers of our heart, a single candle to give confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see, a single candle to do the heavy lifting and give us hope. Help us to be open to the possibilities emerging. Hope floats. I'm your Holy Shenanigans muse, Tara Lamont Eastman. Thank you for joining me this week for Holy Shenanigans that surprise, encourage, redirect, and turn life upside down 
all in the name of love. This is an unpredictable spiritual adventure that is always sacred, but never stuffy. Do you have a holy shenanigans story of your own that you would like to share here on this podcast? If so, please reach out to us at holy shenanigans podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I invite you to step into this season of Advent with hope to light that first candle. And as you travel around your neighborhood, be and receive hope.